0: of all the races this season which was the best atmosphere which one had the best course which one had the best after party and which one had the best awards for me atmosphere
1: would be it would have to be iceman honestly like it's it's similar to a world cup but it's just so much more unique and i think it's like just like there's just more hype for it because it's only one race
0: What up, party people? We've got a guest on the show this week as Scott is stuck in Massachusetts having car troubles and our resident fill-in, Dizzle Dillman, is camping in the forest with his family. So we brought on Tyler Orschel to talk about all things Iceman and help us respond to the heap of listener questions we fielded this week you have any questions for the show or you just want to reach out and say what's up find us on the gram at scott mcgill jr dylan johnson and adam saban six or you can hit us up at the bonk bros instagram page we also have an email so drop us a note at bonk bros podcast at gmail.com if you have a longer question all right let's get this bonk bros party started all right what's up boys what's up so so tyler so i got a funny story to kick things off um, all right, so, so I'd never heard of you until that Lance Armstrong Strava segment challenge that like happened in COVID. Oh well, yeah, that's right. You did do that. <laughs> Dude. And like, that's like, like, I literally never heard of you before that. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, you went and like smashed the, the comm for the challenge. Um, did yeah. you end up winning that thing? No, I can't. I ended
1: up coming second, I think in U 23. Okay. Okay. Um, um, yeah cuz it was yeah. like
0: there was like a lot of prize money on the line for that.
1: Yeah, I think um the win for the elite category was 10,000. Um That's crazy. And the, the win for U23 Dude, was
2: $5,000. That segment too, is like in the middle of nowhere in Pisgah. It's like really hard to get to. It's I it's really weird that they chose that segment. Probably they just yeah. chose it because there's absolutely no traffic and they wouldn't, you know. Mm. Yeah, and no, it was no one low. would sue them because they ran into a car while they were chasing a Strava segment. Right. It was um, also pretty. Yeah. Savage.
0: Funny enough, though. Yeah, yeah. Like I hadn't heard of you, and then like when 2021 race season came around, you were like firing, like you were a force all of last year and this year. So it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you like that was the first place you heard of me because like <laughs> I'm not sure anybody else other than like people back home that watch that YouTube channel. Um, otherwise, like nobody else has ever
2: mentioned mentioned did, did lance have you did lance have you on his podcast no no dude lance had nina on in his podcast he did nina nina, oh. nina won the uh nina's my girlfriend for listeners who don't know um nina won the u23 women's segment and she was on lance's podcast to talk about it
0: <laughs> oh dude i didn't no. know she was on the show that's sick i think so i don't i i, I don't listen to his show regularly so yeah Yeah, Yeah. I I just listened to the tour, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we, we've got Tyler on today, um, because we are talking about, well, mostly Iceman, um, Tyler, Orschel, um, you were fourth there. Um, I was not fourth. I think I was (laughs) 26th. Um, but so was this your first time going up to Iceman?
1: Yeah, I was first Iceman, um, It's always fallen during the like the school semester, Um, so I never really had a chance to go in the past, and um, it's always been a race I wanted to do. So I kind of just went out on a whim this year. Um, Didn't really train for it. Uh, Actually, kind of came off off season with a couple weeks in the legs, and just said, "Why not? Give it a go." Sick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's always like been during cross season. It's like I've just never. It's never even really been on my radar. Like I've always known about it. Cause I race mountain bikes too. And like all the mountain bikers end their season there. But like, to me it's always seemed like one of those races, like if you're a mountain biker, you end your season there. But like, if you're a cyclocross racer, you still got like six weeks of racing left. So like, you can't, can't just like go to the end of the season party and like keep going. I mean, I guess some people do, but in my mind, it just never seemed to fit.
2: It's always been too late in the season for me. Like I'm so ready for an off
0: season by November. Dude, it was like two weeks after big sugar. (laughs) You could have literally done nothing, like, like big you could have done man. nothing, like, Tyler didn't do anything, and then you, like, went and raced, and, like, you still had fitness, like, you could have done that.
2: Yeah, no, it probably wouldn't have gone as well for me as it did for Tyler if I had done that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you, we were even talking about it at Schwamgen, because you had the bike was, set up for it. Yeah, and then, and then I did Schwammigan and I realized why I quit XC racing. (laughs) Um, yeah, dude, the amount of, the amount of Michigan people who have told me that I need to come up for ice, man. I mean, I need it. I do need to do it one of these years for sure. And just experience it. Um, even if I'm not like taking it super seriously at that time of year, although knowing me, I'll probably like come up with this crazy bike setup for it and take it super seriously. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I, I need to do it one of these years like people in Michigan that is I feel like that's their world championships they take that race oh yeah so seriously it's
0: crazy Dude, it, I mean it's like it's like the biggest I mean it's it's unbelievable how many people are out there it's it is I mean it, it does mm-hmm. the last like mile at least feels like a world championships
1: oh 100 percent yeah mm-hmm. yeah they have yeah, to start they have to start the waves at like nine in the morning and then they go every three minutes for like couple hours
0: hours. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. The, the <laughs> photos coming out of that vent event are epic, man. I mean like the conditions and the people screaming like the photo of Alexi and he looks like he's like deep in the pain cave while people are running up against him and yelling at him. It's like a photo straight from like Alpe at the tour or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had like, um, seen a, someone posted something on Facebook, um, or like maybe the photographer posted some of the photos and there were like a lot of people who were like upset about the fact that there were dudes like on course running alongside us as we were like climbing that last climb to the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying like, Oh, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not good sportsmanship to like be running on course and like potentially getting in the way of the riders and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, honestly, like it's such a cool experience for us. Like we don't get to experience that kind of crowd and that like yeah. crowdiness. Like, all that often here so like dude i i I welcomed it for sure i thought it was awesome you know the only place where i've experienced
2: that is when i did laruta um the stage race in costa rica okay that race that race you would get to the top of some of these climbs that were closer to the towns and the the climb was just lined with people as if it was like the tour or something spectators Uh, yeah spectators
0: oh wow okay sick yeah yeah. Um, yeah, no, but <clears throat> for sure, Dylan, I mean, you, you, will have to come up there for it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even if you just like ended your season and just went to like, go do it and like, who cares what place you yeah. at? like just yeah. to go race, like it, it'd be fun. Um, for sure. I think you did uh, pretty good actually. Yeah. I, I, think, you would, I it's think you would, I really be think you would be you think
1: for me. It is, but <laughs> it's like, it's pretty much an hour threshold effort uh-huh. and that is what separates the group basically is that first
2: hour. Um, how punchy is it? Cause Schwamigan was so punchy.
0: It's I not mean, nearly as rolling as, as No, mm-hmm. it's so
2: and flat. It's, and,
0: and the terrain is way more mountain bikey. Um, yeah. like, you know, if, if it felt way more like a mountain bike race than like a, I don't know, schwamigan's kind of, you know, wide open dirt road kind of race, you know, fire road sure. kind of race. Um, so it feels way more mountain bikey, but it's not punchy. Like everything's super flowy. Mm hmm. Yeah,
1: it really only gets punchy the last 10K when those rollers start. hmm Yeah. So, I mean, that's where, like, the winning moves go. But in terms of being in the final group, it's the first hour.
2: So yeah. the setup that I rode for Schwamigan, would that be a good or a bad setup for It would have men? been killer. Drop bars on a mountain bike? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty solid. Yep. Yeah, I think it would have yeah. been awesome. What's the, what's the winning average speed for Iceman, usually? 1920 yeah, yeah 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 that's like same for schwamm again
0: so so carrie werner uh he rode a full rigid like drop bar bike um basically mm. just like a cyclocross bike but i think he said he had 50 mil tires yeah um, and i think like a full rigid with that small of tires i think that's a little risky like sure as long as you can keep it upright then you know it can have its advantages at times um but i don't know i i don't think like I, to me that doesn't seem the right bike but I think I think the drop bars could be fast, and I think either the f- you know full hundred mil fork or the th- whatever thirty or forty mil gravel fork, like I think either of those would have been would have been pretty primo. yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah, interesting. Um, and we can talk about this a little bit more or I can even bring it up now. It doesn't matter, but someone did ask about about bike setup stuff. So we'll wait till listener questions For we can Ice get back Man into or it. just in general Iceman specifically, yeah. Okay. Well, we can. I wait like till put a see- feeler out there for for people on Instagram to ask questions about Iceman. So I got a bunch of cool. bunch All right, of stuff. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So back wait. to Iceman. So um, so you were fourth. So obviously you made the front group. So I I screwed up pretty badly in the beginning. Um, mm. Well, I won, I got there late.
1: Oh I, yeah,
0: <laughs> I like got there early. Like I I was ready, and then like no one was lining up. So I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna go pee, and then like you know come out and just stand around and wait for people to start filtering in. And like yeah. literally while I was in the urinal, which was like right next to the start line, yeah. I hear everyone like pedaling over slamming on their brakes and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm missing it. And I came out and they were already like five rows stacked up. So I think I, yeah. I fought in like sixth or seventh row, I don't which know was like it. not ideal when, when, when the race is that fast. I mean, it's like basically, a you know, uh, XCO start. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I had a good start. Like I, I, I worked up my way up to like the top 15, maybe um, mm-hmm. on that pavement section, like right after the yeah. 180 degree turn. Yeah, um, yeah. But then I was like too far outside, like way too far outside. And I got pinched off in the barricades that came up and then. Oh, yeah. To like 50th again. And then never saw the front after that. So my race was pretty much over after that. <laughs> um, it's just like yeah. when the speeds are that high, it's like so hard to chase down groups um because you're like i mean you're just constantly geared out or like stuck behind riders and stuff like that and every second counts um so i, n- I never saw the front group the, i think that the highest i got was like i was with a group of 10 guys till <clears throat> till the finish um and we we must have been like battling for like 16th i think it was um oh yeah so that was like the farthest up i got but yeah i don't know let's, if you... let's hear about yours because like you obviously made the front the you know first selection so
1: yeah, um, so I kind of knew coming in just from talking to a few people that um, you really need to start at the front of the pack because it's like you said from the gun almost an XCO. Um, so I don't know if you saw, I had my trainer set up like right beside the. Oh, the that starter. was you by the by. Yeah. 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 Okay, I, I, I saw know.
0: someone over there. I didn't know it was you.
1: Yeah, because like um, just experience from XC racing. I mean, in that case, you usually have a call up, but in this race, you don't. So I figured. Instead of going out and riding on the road and missing everybody running to the line, I would just warm up there, and then when I had to go, I'd be right, I'd be right there. And yeah. even doing that, it was twenty five minutes out, and then all the local kids just went to the went to the start. Um, so I had to like hop off my feedback trainer, screw in my screw in my front wheel, and by then like I was already like second or third row. Okay, um, but well. <laughs> uh, I kind of like pinched my way up to second row. Um after they did the call-ups and everything.
2: Um so that so honestly, this is twenty five minutes before the this start. This is
1: twenty-five minutes before the start.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's like you might as well not even do a warm up, man. It's no, crazy. <laughs> no.
1: And like I was pretty chill about it. Like I knew if I was second or third row, I could put in like a little bit of a digger in the first minute and like work my way around to the front. Um but ended up being like in a good spot off the start. Um I kind of sat like in the top ten, but not really at the front. Um, just to avoid any big crashes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. Were there crashes? Yes. Um, yeah. I believe coming out of that, like airfield section, there was like a left hander and then we went through those puddles. Um, one of those sandy corners, some guy dumped it into the bushes right beside me. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, so then kind of after the first two minutes, then I like, spent a bit more effort riding like kind of top five to seven because like i knew that's like when those sorts of crashes usually occur everyone's trying to jostle for position and i figured the extra effort at the beginning was worth uh not having my race ended
0: <laughs>
1: um yeah for sure yeah and then after that like once the group was kind of windled down to about 15 um 12 to 15 after about 10 minutes um then I kind of completely stopped working because, um, like, I knew I knew the guys I was riding with. Um, like, I knew there wasn't going to be any attacks at that point in the race, and there was really no point in me sitting at the front, um, especially being my first Iceman and not really knowing the course. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you did you pre ride much of it?
1: Yeah, um, we actually did. Uh, I went up there with my buddy Noah. Um, he's also from Canada, um, and we did get one full lap in two days before the race. Okay. Um and we just rode it one
0: time. Um, yeah, but it, it was totally different though. Cause so I, I pre rode the whole course on Friday the day before. Okay. Um, and it was like slow and super sandy and yeah, um, you know, dry. So like dry. The, the the rain, Dylan. It rained like way more than it rained at Schwamigan.
2: Yeah. Like yeah. Two inches. Yeah, yeah. but that <laughs>
0: that I mean, I rode. I've ridden
2: there for. In that area for lumber, the lumberjack 100, and then I that area is also the same area that uh, BWR Michigan was at, and it's just sa- it's just a sand, sandy, yeah, so yeah. sandy, yeah. So like the rain, rain made it faster. The rain helped, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The rain made it like less sketchy. Honestly, I think it slowed some of that single track down. Did you find mm-hmm. it was like a little bit like kind of sucked your energy out a bit? Um,
0: yeah, but yeah, yeah. But like, like I was expecting. Like after I rode it on, so I rode it on Friday and I rode it on my hardtail. I brought both mm-hmm. bikes with me Yeah, and I rode on the hardtail and I was like, man, it's just so bumpy. Like I kept hitting bumps yeah. and I was like, you know, I, I don't know, I wasn't sure. And then like I got to the end, I was like, I'm just going to ride the full suspension. It's going to be faster. It's so bumpy. Um, and then like when it started raining a bunch, I was like, oh, the full suspension is definitely going to be better because like all the roots and stuff like that, you know, like think mm-hmm. like it'd suck up some of the you know potential for like slipping out. But I don't know if it was just cuz the sand is like so gritty that like I never felt like I I never like didn't have traction like I had traction the whole day. Yeah. Um, no, much. maybe that was part of the bike choice, but um I didn't feel like the the rain like made it slippery or sloppy. No. Um but it did make it like it like velvety in in certain spots though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think overall it it made it a better race course. Um mm-hmm. Um, at least a bit And it safer. helps
0: that there's like 5,000 amateurs racing it in the morning to pack it in.
1: Yeah. Cause remember in pre-ride it was all leaves, right? In those single yeah. tracks. And there was no leaves when we no were racing. Leaves.
0: None. No. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I was a bit scared going in of those like big, long, there were like cyclocross style sand pits in the, mm-hmm. the trails. Yeah. Um, and I figured those would kind of be like separators because you get offline one time and you're going to lose the lead group. Yep. All of this is making Carrie's bike choice sound even worse. Yeah, I actually was started. I was in the pen right beside him, and I I chatted a little bit. I'm like, Carrie you're the only guy within sight of this pack here that has a gravel bike, and he's like,
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of starting to question it a bit. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily think the drop bars were a bad call, but the narrow tires. If it's sandy, the wider the tires you have, the better. Yeah, um, I
0: think. I mean. From what I could tell, that was the biggest tire he could run with that bike.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: This not the, a mountain bike. Like yours just is a mountain bike. The, his is a his is a cross bike or whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Now he didn't get dropped in any of the single track sections. Um,
2: yeah, I mean he's a good bike handler. So mm-hmm. yeah. What what bike setup did you have for
1: the race? Uh, I had the Canyon Lux. Um, so that's the full suspension, um, hundred mil front and rear. Mm-hmm. I was the only guy and probably the top. 12 14 on a full suspension bike um i think the next guy was actually another canadian junior kid zorak who uh, hmm. chased back onto the
2: <laughs> dude i feel like hardtails are making a comeback with all these easy like technically easy mountain bike races in the u.s yeah like leadville schwamigan iceman
0: yeah yeah but like in- and, and i was not talking about not this necessarily when
2: we really saying about that the thing that they're the right call but like you are seeing so many more mountain bikers on hardtails. I, I, there was a time probably like five years ago where I was like, oh yeah, dude, done. hardtails yeah. are done. Like no one's going to be riding a hardtail anymore. And like, I mean the lifetime Grand Prix, you could have done easily done every race on a hardtail or uh, every mountain bike race in that series on a hardtail. And it may have even been the faster call debatably.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think people just have a misconception about what suspension is actually useful for. Mm-hmm. Like it's people think of it as like if it's technical, you need full suspension, if it's not technical, you want the hardtail. But mm-hmm. it's that's not the case. Like you can have a very bumpy non-technical course. You yeah, can also have 20. like a very technical but smooth course. Like there are totally. courses where like technically it's like really tricky cuz it's like lots of twisties and turns mm-hmm. and up and down and things like that, but if it's not bumpy, like I'll run the hardtail for something like that. But, like, if it's super bumpy, like, that's what you want suspension for.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only time my bike was in an advantage in the entire race was that final single track. Um, Like, right before we came out into the finish, like, maybe 800 feet to go, um, that final single track was kind of greasy. Mm. Uh, I was coming into that, before the single track, I was racing Riley and Kyan Olshov, um into that single track and I ended up being the first wheel. But since it was like a little bit bumpy um and had some like changing elevation, I was able to gap like both of them. Um and it gave me like a really good launch pad for the finish. But other than that, it was pretty much a disadvantage all race, like locking and unlocking my bike.
2: Yeah. So you, you would have run a hard tail had you had a hard tail. 100 percent
0: Yeah. Yeah, and same here. Like I, I that's what I was gonna say. Like during pre ride I thought it was bumpy. But yeah, on race day it was like smooth as butter, pretty much the whole course. Yeah, so like I actually felt like the the full suspension was the wrong choice. For sure, um, it's my first Iceman, and I don't know. I mean, didn't really know, so I mean, I just went with what I thought was right. But looking yeah. looking back, for sure, I would have preferred the hardtail with like a lockout fork and stuff on it.
1: Yeah, what one thing I did do was I I added about twenty psi to my rear shock. Um, so. Uh, instead of being like a full squish, it was more of just like
2: a little bit of squish. Mm. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, mine's, I've got the Epic, so it's got the brain. So it's kind of, yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, so anything else, I mean, it, you know, like, so you, you made the front split and you said it was like 10 minutes in, there was like a group of 12. Did anything like really shake up between then and when I know Alexi attacked with like, uh, what, like eight miles to go or something like that? 12K, whatever that converts to.
1: Yeah, so um, it was definitely like a little bit surgy um, for the first 20 minutes, but then once everyone kind of realized that the front group had been kind of made, uh, it kind of settled into more of like a tempo threshold effort for about, until about the one hour mark, um, Riley and Brayden Johnson went to the front during some of those like longer single track sections, and it kind of seemed like they were trying to um, punch some holes in the group because um, both of them are like XC racers, like pretty technically sound. Um, and they definitely were opening some gaps like in the group um, for sure, but it never really did any separation. Um, and then kind of the, like between one hour and one hour 15 um, the group kind of slowed down quite a bit and everyone kind of realized like that group was going to go um, pretty much till the end. Um and then, yeah, about 12K to go is when Alexei launches attack. And I was actually like 10th wheel, like back of the lead group. So I had zero chance of making the move, unfortunately. Um, because uh, after listening and hearing about how it played out last year, Alexi went with, was it 5K to go or 7K to go? I think so, last like, year?
0: The, like the actual icebreaker climb or whatever, I think, right? Yeah, and I actually
1: thought that he wasn't gonna launch at all, um, based on what happened last year, because he launched with five k to go and then got caught basically on the last climb.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the, so yeah, when he was on the front, I was like, okay, like this is this is gonna roll for a while, and I'll move up in a little bit. But it went earlier than I thought, and um, the group didn't respond. Um, That's crazy. How are they not responding to Alexi? I yeah, I don't know. I like I was tenth wheel, and we were in like a like kind of like a double track shoot through the woods. Um, we were moving pretty quick, so I could like barely see what was in front of me. You almost have mm-hmm. to like look around the rider in front of you, you yeah. to actually see what's happening. Um, but I watched Carrie's video today. He posted like a, a bit of a recap and I guess he was third wheel when Braden Johnson and Alexi launched, but he had just bridged back after um, uh, his Shimano, Uh, di2 went into crash mode Um, (laughs) Yeah, i saw that that, that, yeah um so i think what happened was carrie wasn't able to respond like i guess the attack was pretty significant um and then when carrie couldn't bridge i guess nobody really came around and and did any work
0: yeah yeah and it sounded like um brayden and riley kind of had some team tactics going in yeah and they they were kind of like they were willing to like whoever whoever was in the move like the other person was willing to like work to help make it stick. So mm-hmm. I think Braden was maybe just in better position. So like he went with with um, Alexi, and then as soon as Carrie wasn't able to like bridge up, Riley like shut it down basically, and was like yeah. not willing to bridge either because he was like I think fourth wheel. So just yeah. like put a you know put a pretty big gap pretty quickly, um, and I think. Sounded like they had like ten seconds by the top of that climb and then were able to just they expand did. it from there.
1: Yeah. Um it kind of sat at like ten to twelve seconds for a good couple minutes. And mm. um I kind of worked my way back to the front when that happened. And uh there was like a bit of chatter. Like I know Cole was really trying to get the group to rally together, but that was when Riley was like, Yeah, like sorry guys, this was our plan. Like I'm not working. <laughs> um and I know like Cole and, and Braden Brayden Lang weren't stoked to hear that, but like, on I mean, Riley didn't actively slow the group down. Like he still rode at like a good pace. Um, and like, I mean, that's that's part of racing, right?
0: Yeah. Well, in, um, Cole and Brayden probably had the same tactic coming in. They just like weren't the ones to initiate it. They like, might those have. two guys yeah. were like good friends, and like they probably would have been content with either of them winning either. Also, so yeah. um, it easily could have been flipped on on those guys too.
1: For sure. Yeah. And then, like, as the
0: group got dwindled
1: down a bit, like, they started looking at me. And I was like, well, like, I'm riding with Cole and Brayden. Like, these guys are, like, pretty big names in, in U.S. racing. Like, Cole's the defending champion. Like, I don't really think I need to pull here.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and Brayden won Schwamigan, you know, so yes. similar style race. So, like, he's obviously suited pretty well for that. Um, Yeah. I mean, honestly, it just sounded like a savvy move by Alexi. Like, he, played his cards right. Um, oh, yeah. I think it, it sounded like it helped that Brayden went with him because they were able to increase the gap a little more than maybe Alexi could have if it was just him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Brayden was super motivated. And then I don't know exactly like how it shook out between those two, but I know Alexi had a pretty decent gap going up that last climb, like from the videos that I saw. Yeah. So he must have found a way to to gap off Brayden at some point. Uh, which is surprising because, like, the last Mm -hmm. 5K are, like, pretty technical. Like, they're probably the most technical parts of the whole course. Mm -hmm. And and I would have expected, like, Braden to have a one-up on Alexi for sure, coming from XC background and Alexi's, I mean, he's come around a lot with his skills, but still, you know, not quite on the same level. So I don't know if it was just, like, you know, punching it up certain climbs or whatever, but somehow he was able to gap Braden. Yeah. As far as I remember,
1: after their kind of initial attack um, on that climb, there was another like three pretty substantial climbs before we came into those final single tracks. And from what I heard, Alexi kind of just hit it on every single one. Okay. Um, and I guess
2: Brayden, Brayden cracked on one of them. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, my guess is that Alexi didn't want to be with anyone in the no. final single track. Um, oh, definitely. for sure. Yeah. He wanted to be solo.
0: Yeah, and that's probably why he went so early. One, yeah. maybe to catch people off guard, but two, to, like, ensure that he could create enough of a gap. Because it was, like, you know, I mean, it was, again, it wasn't bumpy or anything, but it was, I mean, it was a little bit bumpy. Like, there were some ruts and stuff, but it wasn't crazy. Um, but it was, like, really tight and twisty. So, Super like, tight. you know, it was kind of slow in certain spots, and um, and there was still, like, plenty of time once you got out of the single track Yeah, you're like coming through like where the barricades are on both sides and it's like wide it's like you know two bike length two bike widths wide so like if you're not if you're not gapped like there's a chance that like a gap could still close in the final whatever it is k and a half or whatever coming through like the actual finish corral
1: oh yeah well i mean i got i got past final in the final 200 meters by riley
0: okay dude that's crazy yeah so that was so was that after the flyover uh, no before right before the flyover okay yeah Yeah. man the flyover was
1: slick too super um, slick i actually <laughs> considered a a move around riley on it and i was like mm, okay maybe not <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah and then like it's just it's just an epic finish i mean i'd heard about it but until you're there and experience it like it's just it's so cool um, Especially for like domestic racing, and um, yeah, yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah, no, the
1: only other place I've ever had a finish vibe or like any vibe like that on the course would be like a world, a mountain bike world championships or a world cup in Europe. Yeah, um, and even those, like, I think these fans might might have topped those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: That's sick,
0: Dylan. Is there any other racing you want to talk about that happened this weekend?
2: Uh, I didn't follow really any other racing. Okay. I mean. Alexis Scarta won the the women's yeah race Alexis today, man um, yeah, um, she's pretty dope dude she's she's a badass man she she did Big Sugar on Saturday and then she flew to Maryland to do Marathon Mountain Bike Nationals the next day dude I told you that someone was gonna
0: do that it, I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be her but. Well, I she was someone, the, she was the defending
2: that. she was the defending marathon mountain bike national champion, so it yeah. probably made sense for her to do that. But yeah, yeah. And,
0: and I bet like her and um, Steve Davis petitioned like USAC to switch it to Sunday because it was originally slated for Saturday, the same day as Big Sugar. Mm. But both of those caps they were in have, the Lifetime they couldn't Grand Prix. USAC to do it the next weekend, like that is right? so. And,
2: I, what like what is USAC thinking? They know that all of these big names are going to be at,
0: you know, they announced, California. they announced Marathon Nationals so late always, too. It's like they didn't announce it till like probably mm-hmm. June. So it's like, dude, you couldn't, yeah. like, you knew the whole schedule. Like, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, but yeah, that is pretty badass that she, she did that. Unfortunately, she didn't defend her title, but um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't,
2: epic. I don't blame her, like, considering that she raced a hundred miles of gravel and then had to catch a flight, but yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And Big Sugar was no joke either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. But Yeah. She won. Um, Sevilla was second. And then Rose was third, uh, mm-hmm. in her final race as a pro. She's retired now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty epic, too. She was defending champ and, uh, you know, goes out swinging. Didn't win, but still third. Your last race. It's like yeah. better than like the people who wait till they're like 45 to retire and like are. Mid pack, you know,
2: yeah, not we were anything. actually just talking about that today. Like, like dudes who are like whole, you know, holding on for dear life to some sort of contract, and you know, they they used to be winning stuff and now they're they're barely holding on to the pack.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, you know, guys that are like they'll look at someone like Brian Motter or uh yeah. Jeff Kabush who are like still crushing it in their like 40s. Like, dude, Brian Motter is so savvy. Like, he's so good at bike racing. Like, he was. He made that front group. It's like, how is a dude like that still pushing that kind of power? I don't. I don't. It doesn't make oh, any sense oh, to me. It's like forty four. Yeah. Wow. He's like he's dude. up there, man. He's like, yeah. You no, know Brian won a UCI mountain bike race this year. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, he, yeah, won, he, he, a short he track. won a short track. Yeah. Wow. Like, In Wisconsin, dude. How is a forty-four-year-old winning short track? It was a C1 too. It was like a big race.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, why was so? I'm sure, Schwam- I'm sure guys in their 40s like look up to someone like Brian, and they're like, "Oh, I can still do it," but not everyone's Brian Motter.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why wasn't he at Schwammagen? I thought he was like the king of Schwammagen.
0: You know, I'm not sure he he went to race cyclocross that weekend. I saw, and and I'm not really sure why. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I I
2: didn't really follow any other racing. I know there was cross racing going on, but I will be honest, I i don't follow cross all that closely to really comment on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Eric Bruner won Pan Ams for the dudes. Um Raylan Nuss won for the women. That's mm-hmm. it. Dude, your boy, fellow Canadian Tyler Clark, you know yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. He's dude, a good guy. That guy slayed on Sunday. Yeah, what did he finish up on Sunday? Um I don't know what what he ended up finishing, but he was like dude, 100%. he was matching moves all day with, with Bruner and Curtis. Oh, wow. Um, and he was the only dude hopping the barriers all weekend. They were, like, yeah. super high, I guess. And he was just sending the barriers every lap.
1: Yeah, Clark's pretty good at barriers. He uh, He's a pretty savvy enduro, like, downhill racer, too. Really? Yeah, he won um, collegiate downhill nationals last fall, actually.
0: What? Dude, and yeah, he's dude, killing he- it in, like, one of the biggest weekends of the <laughs> season in cyclocross? <laughs> Just di- savage. So all three of us went to Brevard College together.
2: I I will say that these Canadian boys know how to ride downhill. They're fast.
0: Got got the, got the that Rocky Mountain chunk. I guess. Might
2: Out of me there. Yeah. Can you see me? We lost. We lost you for a minute. Oh, I'm back. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um. Yeah, Tyler's Tyler's quick, and he knows how to handle a bike.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was sick. Um. Yeah. Otherwise, there wasn't. I mean. Nothing else exciting to talk about with Cyclocross. There's other Cyclocross podcasts. So if you really want to listen to Cyclocross yeah. in depth, <laughs> like follow it's CX yeah. they, they They do a pretty good job. Um, okay. So I, I put out a post on Instagram fielding some questions. And I got a lot of responses. Um, Dylan, do you have any questions that you want to go into before I do mine, just in case we don't get through all of mine? Uh, I didn't get a lot of
2: questions. So, but I, okay. Here, hold on real quick. I, I think I got like one or two, maybe. I already screenshot them. I got one about Oram, which is a very specific race that most of our listeners probably don't know about or don't do unless they were. Hold in. on. I got one about Oram. I've done it. it once. It's it's the same one. He said he sent it to both of us. Oh, okay. So read that one. All right. So any tips for Oram? For those for people who don't know, Oram is off-road assault on Mount Mitchell, which is a I think it's either fifty mile or hundred K mountain bike race in yeah. um, in Western North Carolina. So he says, I've gotten up the Kitsuma switchback climb running 28 by 42 in 10 minutes. How, uh, how much stronger would I need to be to change f- from a 30 tooth or 32 tooth chainring? So Kitsuma is just a really super steep switchback climb. That's at the beginning of the
0: race and at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, said, I've got a quick answer for that. All right, let's hear it. He he would have to be no stronger if he ran a thirty-two fifty. <laughs> That's true. I, why is he running a forty-two? Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 Come on, Zach. Get with the well, times. Doesn't Shimano make they make bigger than forty-two? Well, It'll be eleven speed at forty-two. It'd be on yeah, yeah, You probably
0: speed. got like that Di Two Shimano. Um, you got yeah, there, I mean, I
2: think, I think that the right move here is to get a bigger cassette and then you can run a bigger chain ring and not lose, lose on the road sections. Um, it's more efficient. Anyway. That's, that's probably what I would say. I mean, how much stronger would you need to be to run a 30 or a 32 tooth chain ring? I don't know. I'd have to go to bike calculator right now and do some
0: calculation. I mean, in theory, you don't have to be any stronger. You just have to be able to do a lower cadence, but um, I would guess like if he's, I mean, if he's running twenty eight forty two, like that's a really small gear. Yeah. Um, to I mean, bump up to a 32 would be a pretty, pretty significant bump. So like, even if he could climb Kitsumu, Kitsuma, um, everywhere else, he'd probably be slower. Yeah. I, uh, there's a, there's
2: a lot of steep climbing in that race. Um, and I could see how, if you need a 28 to climb up Kitsuma, how it, a 28 would be okay for the rest of the race. There, there's yeah. some road sections, but like it's, it's a lot of climbing. So, um, yeah, I, my advice is to go with a bigger cassette, any tips on tires. And I'm assuming he means tires for that race. Uh, I would probably, if I was doing that race, I would probably run really wide tires, like two fours for sure. um, I don't know. Maybe the max is Aspen two four. Have you ridden in there? Before? I've raced Oram. You've raced Oram. Yeah. Once. Okay. So you
1: you know the course. Yeah. Like, I what do you it, think? I did it in twenty twenty, um, and I did go out there and pre ride a bunch uh, just because I hadn't ridden the trails. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran
2: two four um, aspens um, for the best the race. XC tire of all time. Yeah, two four aspens is what I think I would run. Um, yeah. I mean, you could go with something a little burlier if you were maybe trying to be a little more confident on the descent because there is a very long technical descent in the race. Like one of these descents where your arms are just going to be screaming at you. um, Yeah. That
0: that two, four recon is a pretty solid front tire too. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. It,
1: if it's wet, I might run a recon race up front um, because coming down, Oh, what's the name of the descent from the parkway um, heart, heartbreak. I think, Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that's the one. It's like 15 minutes of descending and it's pretty rooty. Mm. Um, so, if it's wet, which it usually is midsummer, you might want more traction than an Aspen. Yeah.
2: He also asks Would those inner bar ends uh, be beneficial for short stints on the road? So, uh, inner, by inner bar ends, maybe he's talking about something like what Keegan used for Leadville, or maybe like something like what I used for Leadville and what Adam used for Leadville. Um, I don't, there's not a lot there. There's, there's a section on the parkway road, but it's, it's a gradual climb. Mm -hmm. And then there is a section at the road at the beginning. And there's a section of road at the end. Whenever I've done it, I haven't used arrow bars or any sort of bar ends. And I'm an arrow bar guy. Like if it's an advantage, I'll use them. Um, and there's so much climbing, so like having a light bike is an advantage. Uh,
0: but what uh, do they weigh? Like 200 grams?
2: Yeah, but like if you can, if you can only if you can only use them for I don't know ten minutes out of a four and a half hour race, you know, mm. like is it really worth it? Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe more than ten minutes, maybe maybe fifteen, maybe 15 at the mm. most. Yeah. Um, yeah, then yeah, probably
0: I, not. Actually, yeah, because I mean, you're you're going to gain what? 30 seconds on that. Yeah.
2: If, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're using, if we're talking about bar ends, those are, those are really light and you know, they don't add much to your bike. Uh, if we're talking about a full arrow bar setup, probably I, you know, it's funny though, actually the course record is set by Jeremiah Bishop and he was using arrow bars.
0: <laughs> yeah. But JB probably found other ways to utilize the arrow bars that like everyday person couldn't.
2: Yeah. Also, I don't think he was running that setup specifically for Oram. He was more so testing it out to see if it would be a good setup for Leadville, which was like the next weekend sure. or something. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So... Yeah. That's my answer there. All right. How much effort should I put into getting to the base of Kitsuma in the beginning? I would just pace yourself properly. Forget about, forget about trying to stay with any sort of front group to get to Kitsuma. It's not worth it. Like there's not, you're not even like drafting off of people after that. It's like, just conserve your energy, ride at a, ride at a sustainable pace going into Kitsuma, get up Kitsuma and and ride at your own pace. There's like no need to sort of make some sort of front group selection at that race because um, there's like minimal drafting at that race. And it's mm-hmm. long, yeah. Um, cool. That's that's all the questions he had about Oram. We can get to uh, Iceman questions.
0: Okay, so I've got one non Iceman question first, okay. um, and this is from Timmy D. He sent me his last name, but I don't remember what it is. Timmy <laughs> D. He says, a couple questions for the podcast. And it's just really one because the other ones were for Scott, but Scott's not here. Uh, so he, he asked why cross riders don't run inserts with tubeless. Mm-hmm. Um, he says you can drop pressure and essentially, and essentially run flat if you had to. WTF is with gluing tubes, tubs, whatever you want to say. I'm newer to cross, but my setup is Cush core gravel slash CX liners with orange seal, and no issues, no burping, and you can corner better. He just doesn't get why people are still running tubulars.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not like a cross racer, but I would have to say that it's probably just down to tradition. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I've done a decent amount of cross.
1: Um, not like, I've never really done a full schedule, um, but I've raced cross worlds in Europe three times, two or three times. Um, I've done Christmas cross in Europe, and... Um, when it comes down to like the traditional muddy races, tubulars, just, I've always found just get more purchase in the mud, um, than a tubeless. Um, I think part of it's maybe just this, like how soft the tubular tire compounds are. They kind of just like form to the, the bumps under the mud. Um, but yeah, I've tried both and the tubulars have always just been like a little bit more comfortable. Have you tried tubeless with Cush Core though? Because that's what he's specifically asking about. Um, Yes, I have actually. I borrowed a I borrowed a wheel for a race. Um, It was like an NCCX, and it was set up as tubeless with Cush Core. I can't remember how much I liked it. Um, I felt like I had good grip. It was a a fairly muddy race, actually. Um, But like the only thing I can think of as a disadvantage is like there's less less volume. Um, for like cushioning. Sure. That's yeah. the only disadvantage I could think of. Adam, what do you
0: think? Um, so I mean, I've r- I raced a lot of cross and, and I've run exclusively tubeless since 2019. Um, so I've done a lot of cross racing on tubeless. And I mean, for me, it was just like logistical reasons. Like I didn't want to have to travel with four or five wheel sets. Yeah. Um, like already traveling with two bikes is enough. Like you don't need to have two or three more wheel sets on top of that. Yeah, so I dude. would just run tubeless, and then if I need to switch tires, I could. But I even just started just running the same tire, like in all conditions, and like I didn't really give a shit what happened. Um, <laughs> but I also like dude, the cross seems so
2: equipment intensive for intensive for such short races man it is yeah you know that's what i why, mean
0: it's why i stopped racing cross this year i was like, like you, oh, you need so within
2: two bikes and like a million wheel sets it's just like yeah and you're racing for an hour and then after the race your bike is trashed yeah it's the most unappealing,
0: yeah aspect of cross to me yeah for sure if, if it, cross it, was it, in the every, summertime it would be awesome i don't know why cross, cross has to here. only be in the fall it's so stupid
2: <laughs> every cross racer i talk to says the same thing drew says the same thing uh scott says the same thing they're like yeah like racing is fun but the the equipment both getting it ready before and then cleaning it after is such a pain yeah i agree
0: yeah so i don't know i'm I'm game with the tubeless setup um i think it's easier and cheaper and i don't know i, I found it to be pretty reliable but i i like never flat tires like i've flatted like three tires and ever in a race so like i don't know it's just not something i'm worried about
1: no not in cross
0: yeah um and and i actually prefer like i prefer running a little bit more pressure with a little bit more tread because i i tend to corner a little bit more like a mountain bike Mm. um so i like the stability of the of the tubeless tires a little more so than like the folding nature you get like Oh, tubular is yeah. like it's all about like you have to have the exact pressure. Like you want it to fold a little bit, but you, you can't do. let it fold too much. Um yeah. and I've just I've never really been comfortable with like finding that edge and pushing over it. Um uh, mm-hmm. it's just like not I don't know, I just feel like I I just don't like it. So I kind of like tubeless for that, the little stiffer sidewalls.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it is a lot simpler and it, it gives you that ability to literally switch tires 30 minutes before going to the start line if you want to.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So first Iceman question. Um, so Ian Anderson says, I've seen a variety of bike setups for this race from gravel bikes to full sus. What is the fastest? And we kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, there was another question here, uh, from Brazieri. I don't, I don't want to like go to their Instagram page and find their name, but that's their handle. Um, he says, how come you chose the full sus instead of the hardtail? So we'll kind of loop these into the same question. We talked about it a little bit. Um, I I personally think the drop bar mountain bike would be so sick for this race. Um, I got done, wished sort of that I'd race the hardtail. I mean, like, you can only wish so much because, like, it's not worth it. But, um, like, looking back, like, I wrote in my notes, like, next year, like, lean towards the hardtail. Um, I don't have a drop bar mountain bike, though, so, like, that wasn't an option for me. Um, But if, like, if I could put in my notes, like, the bike that, like... I would ideally ride. It would be the drop bar mountain bike. I think, uh, handling wise, like all you need to do is be fast enough to stay with the front group. Like you're not, no one's breaking away on any of the technical sections. So like all you need to do is be able to handle good enough to like stay with the front group. And then on all the other sections, like it's going to be faster. Cause like you're a little bit more aero and there's like plenty yeah. of drafting and stuff like that. So yeah, I think, I think the drop bar mountain bike would be sick
2: yeah i would agree as as far as tires go having not done the race but having <laughs> ridden in
0: that area i would say the wider the better to an extent i like you do have to factor in that like there is some grass that you're riding through so like you don't want it to be too wide to where like you're losing a ton of uh um, so have we have we confirmed that wider tires are slower in the grass dude i i feel like I, anecdotally i confirmed that <laughs> okay okay <laughs> All right. I didn't used to think so, but now I'm convinced like two fours are definitely slower than two twos in the grass. All right, man. Next year, I'll, I'll it, go it, out and it's, do it's a legit
2: test it's with it. Not something that I've ever tested, so I can't speak to it, but I. Are we talking like smooth I'm a, grass? I'm a little bit. I don't know. Whatever grass is that uh, ice? Any grass. Yeah. I think a two two five tire is probably still safe for Iceman. Yeah. No, we're not talking about safe. We're talking about the fastest. No, <laughs> but I mean like safe as yeah. the
0: fastest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a two one or a two two five is the right tire choice. I think narrower than two one, maybe no. getting a little too squirrely, and probably losing some time in the sand. Um, bigger than two two five is just not necessary.
2: My um, m- my mountain bike tire of choice is the Continental Race King, and then it has nothing to do with how well it handles because it's not a super well handling tire. But it's just really fast. It tests really fast. It's got really low rolling resistance and unfortunately it only comes in a 2.2 but i will right. say that if that tire came in a 2.4 i think i would run that exclusively i don't think there's any mountain bike race that i wouldn't run that tire for if it came in a 2.4 yeah yeah i could see that and ice included i
1: mean pedcock won the olympics on on race kings um they could have been some prototype like two three five two four, but they were race kings
2: yeah, and it looks like Ineos uh, had him do a lot of testing with different equipment and stuff, too. So, yeah, you know, I do they have a Continental sponsorship or could he just run whatever he wanted? He could run whatever he wanted uh, because on, their, on their road bikes. See, that's that is way more powerful than like having a tire sponsor. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know nino won on maxis and he's sponsored by maxis it's like okay but like if you can run whatever tire you want to run and then you pick a certain tire and then you win the olympics on that tire that's that to me is way more powerful than having a tire sponsor yeah i would
1: agree if if pidcock is like the benchmark of like choosing equipment (laughs) are you saying that he's not i don't know i mean he's hardly (laughs) raced mountain bikes like true yeah he won the olympics (laughs) but that's just because he's like the fittest, like, okay,
0: yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I don't know, Tyler, what do you think? I mean, would do you have a hardtail? Like, could could you have raced a hardtail if you wanted to? I didn't have a hardtail this year, no. Okay, um, so you yeah. didn't really have a choice.
1: I didn't have a choice. Um, don't have a gravel bike either. Um,
2: but I wouldn't have raced that. Um, I, I don't think a gravel bike is the right move, no. I don't so, so, from my, like I said, I haven't done the race, but what I'm thinking right now is hardtail mountain bike with drop bars and two fours. I think you want a fork though. Something. No, yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah. A, definitely a fork. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it rigid. No. Yeah. There's your answer. Especially
1: because like there's two significantly bumpy technical technical ish single tracks in the last two kilometers.
0: So from what I heard that the, the single track was new. hmm In the end. Yeah. Um, and I think this is my speculation, but I think they're trying to like keep it a mountain bike race. Yeah. So they want like where it's decisive to like still be favorable for a mountain bike. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, cause there were a couple other single track sections too, that I guess were new. So, um, I would expect that those single track sections will stay in the race for future. I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, and Carrie you- said the same thing. He said he would have, he, he would have preferred the, the f- suspension fork this year. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Kerry's in a weird spot because his two options are either like his cru- or his gravel bike or his mountain bike is like almost a trail bike. Like, yeah, K- what Kona's XC race bike is is it, it like it might as well be a trail bike, right? So it's like, what do you go with? Like, do you go with way over biking or way under
0: biking? You know, right? Um, right? Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, this guy asked if we ran tire inserts.
1: No, I, I had one in the rear like all season and I pulled it for Iceman. Just no need. To, yeah. Like, nowhere to flat. Yeah. Or really roll a tire either.
0: No, um, I've never run tire inserts in anything. Um, and I ran two fives at 17, 18 PSI. It's like pretty low.
1: Yeah, that's almost what I ran. I ran two
0: fives at uh, 19 and 18. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's like low enough. Like I don't I don't see why you need to go lower than seventeen Psi.
1: No, I mean
2: depending on your body weight, right? At Leadville I ran sixteen seventeen. Damn.
0: But you were in the two oh the two twos, that's right, yeah.
2: I was two twos oh. with uh yeah. because really bulky. Uh, I mean, I guess it's just the it's just the fastest pressure for that tire in my weight. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So this guy says, what do you guys run for chain loop? Do you go super mm. Dylan style with wax or does it depend on conditions? <laughs> so this guy already knows what I run. <laughs> yeah. This is from JPS gravel adventures. Mm. Um, I I've never waxed my chain before. Um, I've had two opportunities at Shawmin <laughs> you, you offered Dude. to wax my chain and then at, Big Sugar, you also offered to wax my chain. Dude, I don't Adam has had front row seats to a chain waxing
2: party twice and he declined both times.
0: <laughs> it just seems like so much work. And I wasn't even the one who was going to have to do the work. I just felt bad for whoever was. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, the second
2: time it was like it was Travis from Silka just waxing everyone's chains. I like, know. That's, I just I don't know.
0: know. I, I, that was the first time I met the guy. I'm not going to be like, you know, nice to meet you. Wax my chain, please. Yeah, you're not even sponsored by Silka all the rest of us were and and that probably didn't help my cause either um no i i just use um i think it's called muck off dry and i use that in all conditions (laughs) it doesn't matter i just i just whack or lube the shit out of my chain if it's gonna be wet (laughs) Mm -hmm. like like i lubed it like three times
1: okay um yeah i uh i use a wax but not like a not like a wax you have to dip your chain in sleep like drip wax. Um yeah, it's called Momum. It's a Spanish company. Um, they sponsor Ooh. a couple of World Cup teams. Um but mine I just put it on the night before and then do another layer in the morning. And
2: um, now, don't you put uh like put oil, uh, like a thin oil in your bottom bracket instead of grease if yeah. you if you're racing. Yeah. That's all so that, season. Dude, that's some that's some nerdy efficiency. Yeah, where is like, that at? Like
1: in the like mountain bike SRAM dub bottom bracket. Um it was actually where, Brad right? where? Yeah. So you uh pull the like black kind of like seal cover off.
0: You pull with, the like, covers off and you and you put oil in there?
1: Oh yeah, it's easy. Sick. I uh I saw Brad Copeland do it. Um and then I just messaged him like, hey, like how do I get these seals apart? And then he just rolled me a little little description. I did it, and you basically make a $45 SRAM Dub bottom bracket, spin like a like a $500 ceramic speed bottom bracket if you use the right oil and do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I actually tested the lifespan of this versus a stock SRAM Dub, and it was almost identical. Mm. Um, I got about six months of use out of that. Wow, wow that's good. Um, now you, And you can re-oil it. So when the oil dries up... Um, you can just add more oil in, and as long as the bearings aren't rusty, then it'll it'll start spinning better so again.
0: In, in so so I'm guessing you said it depends on, or you have to use the right um, oil. So like, are you talking about the weight of the oil? Because like, usually oil is going to be um, quite a bit less viscous than grease. So like, yeah. is it easier for grit and stuff to permeate into the bottom bracket then?
1: I haven't found that. No. Um, hmm. Uh, like I said, when I did the testing, I was actually living down here and it's like super rainy and mucky in the summertime. Um, so it was a good time to test the, the durability of it. And um, I didn't notice any more dirt and grime got in when I was running the oil compared to the grease. Okay, cool. Yeah. it's a good
2: tip. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of work. It's like an hour of work to do. Yeah. Ceramic speed, I I, I don't like all their stuff is... I'm hesitant to say exactly what it is cuz I don't know, but I mean it seems like oil. It doesn't seem like grease. In in all their stuff, the oversized pulley wheels, the the bottom bracket. I think it's like a a bit of
1: a hybrid. Like yeah. The ceramic speed stuff spins just as good as what I do, but lasts longer for sure. Like no no question <laughs> there. Um but it seems to me it's like so slippery when you touch it that it's not really a grease. It's more of like a I don't know what would you call it?
2: Yeah. Dude, I had a I had a guy message me about the he messaged me and he said, "How much watt savings do you think those oversized pulley wheels are?" And I was like, "You know, I I I don't know. I haven't tested it. I would have to guess maybe one one or two watts." And then he messaged me 2 weeks later and he said, "I I bought the pulley wheels and I tested them on my trainer versus my old pulley wheels and it was a 4 watt savings." I was like, all right, well, that's pretty significant. <laughs> I mean,
0: what? part of that How depends like... How is this like, guy testing that?
2: I, I think yeah. what I think what he did is he... Uh, like if you forgot
0: to lube your chain that day, it's like more than four watts.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think what he did is he rode on his... He rode on his rollers probably at a fixed speed and tried to see what the power output was mm-hmm. or or vice versa. And then he installed the new pulley wheels and then did it again Mm. i mean that's so does that translate to the real world i I don't know but that's that's what he
1: that's what he told me (laughs) (laughs) as far as i know the biggest advantage of the oversized systems is the chain line advantage like you you
2: decrease the tight angle through the yeah. derailleur and and i don't think people realize how much of a difference that makes like oh, going yeah. from go so you know these crazy small cassettes like that have like a nine tooth or even the SRAM ones that have a 10 tooth going from an 11 to a 10 tooth is i i'm gonna misspeak here but like if i had josh from Silk On, he knows like these exact numbers but it's like something crazy it's like four Watts that you're losing or something. And then if you go to a nine tooth, it's like another four or five Watts. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of lost power when your chain has to bend that much around the cog.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So he would, he would would love this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We love you, Scott. We miss you. Um, okay. So chase the biker, which is chase Wark. He says, uh, was y'all's off season plans. And how wild are the crowds at Iceman? So we can talk about that first. I mean, they're freaking wild. You, you just got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's it. That <laughs> is there an after party? Uh, yeah. That's that's why. Like, it's like the end of the season shindig is like the whole. T- I mean, I, I wouldn't say the whole town, but like, yeah. There's like tons of after parties. Mm-hmm. There's like a there's like an actual after party at the venue. Yeah. Um, and then there's like after parties in town like at all the bars and stuff
1: yeah I didn't go downtown just because I had to drive back to Brevard the next day mm. and I didn't win so
0: I felt like I didn't deserve it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah gotta punish yourself yeah so <laughs> he um, says yeah w- off-season plans uh, I mean I don't know I'm not riding my bike until like December so yeah I have no idea I threw Kinda a pretty
2: massive Halloween rager at my house, which was the first. Our house got wrecked. It was a good, was a good was night. There. Yeah, I had a good time <laughs> for sure.
0: What were you guys dressed as?
1: Uh, what were you dressed as? Like an alien? I something? was an illegal alien because I'm Canadian
2: living in the <laughs> yeah. U.S. Currently, um, yeah. Nice. So I, yeah, it was pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, Nina and I's costume was pretty stupid. It was like um, we were. Uh, Gautier from the song Somebody I Used to Know, where they're like basically naked but their body is painted. So we had this body paint, and the body paint got everywhere like it got all over everyone at the party and all over the walls and all over the house. (laughs) It just made the mess the next morning even worse. Um, so and it was also really hard to wash off. So, and also, like, we originally invited the Brevard cycling team and they were like the original ones that showed up to the party. And I guess there were a couple other parties on campus that got shut down. And Mm -hmm. by the end of the night, it was like no one from the cycling team and a bunch of people from, I don't know, like by the end of the night, I didn't know there were still 40 people in my house and I didn't know any of them. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's how the the Austin is going.
0: There you go.
2: <laughs> um, and we also got camo
0: bush for people. <laughs> oh yeah, but you didn't drink any. No, <laughs> Tyler. Did, did, so, are you done with off season then, or or was like Iceman yeah, just I like guess. an off season break from off well, season?
1: Technically, yeah. Technically, I took my off season when I finished uh, the World Cup final in September. So, Iceman was technically my first race of next season. I guess. Oh, yeah, it's trippy. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Like, I did mm. a couple of weeks of training and then
0: whacked a race out. <laughs> so so now you're, like, full-bore training, though? Yeah. not like, like, base season?
1: Yeah. Not, like, trying to get race fit, even though I'm doing Hendersonville next weekend. Um, and then Canadian Knots the weekend after that. Um, it's basically race season. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like seriously. Fun races <laughs> that if I do well, that's sick. And if I don't do well, I don't really care. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: And are you, like, next year, are you, are, you, are you primarily focused on the World Cup series? Yeah, pretty much. For Exio? Um,
1: yeah, pretty much exclusively. Um, I do plan to throw a couple of one-off races in there, like definitely Iceman, maybe an Epic Rides, um, maybe a gravel race. But Epic primarily. Rides, are they coming back? Yeah, I think that's the plan. At least have a few more. Cool. Dude, you ought to go to, to, to schwamigan Probably do well there. Yeah, yeah, Schwalmigan and... Uh, the people I was staying with,
2: at Iceman told me to do Orta Shore. Yeah, apparently the three of those races are like
0: a triple crown or or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah Midwest Triple Crown. But Orta uh, mm. Shore is the same weekend as Leadville. Oh, that's okay because I won't be doing Leadville. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, they're they're basically all like pretty similar and like kind of old school mountain bike-y, pretty yeah. sick races.
1: Yeah, I'd kind of like to do that just because like there's a lot of hype up there and um, yeah. Old school mountain biking is kind of cool too. It is
0: cool. Mm-hmm. Got to get your sponsor to send you a hardtail for next year then.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think I could work that out. Are you going to be on Canyon again? No, no, no. Can we, can we discuss what, what next year looks like or not? Not yet.
1: Uh, it's unknown, but, um, or it's on, un, uh, unofficial. Sure. But it'll be a, a UCI XCO elite team.
0: Um, sweet. Most likely. It's awesome, right. man.
1: Yeah.
0: You um, got more questions? Yeah. Okay. So I think this is the last one. No, there's two more. Um, so Isaac Zickness says, Of all the races this season, which was the best atmosphere? Which one had the best course? Which one had the best after party? And which one had the best awards? Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, we could probably just end with this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what was the first one? Um, so which one had the best atmosphere, um, out of the races we did or, well, th- yeah. I mean, what are you going to like <laughs> talk about? Like the races you watched on TV? Is he asking about the lifetime Grand Prix?
2: Uh, no, I mean, Can I, I, I just guess asking, you, asking all of us generally, race? um, uh, yeah, I mean the atmosphere at Schwalmigan is pretty good. Um, I feel like, I feel like the atmosphere at Unbound is always pretty good. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like I, I feel like you finish at unbound and everybody's just I mean, this is kind of like what it is at Schwammingen too. But everybody's just hanging out at the finish area, just like waiting for people to come in. Um, and it's like it's downtown there. And there's like a lot. Of, there's just so many people. Um, it's like a kind of cool vibe. Neither of you guys have done unbound. So you can't. Mm-mm. No, no. I don't know. What do you guys
1: think? Mm hmm for me atmosphere would be, it would have to be Iceman, man. Honestly, like it's, it's similar to a world cup, but it's just so much more unique. Um, and I think it's like, just like, there's just more hype for it. Cause it's only one race, like yeah, eight world cups, but there's only one ice man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would yeah. do that for sure.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, like it's, it's hard to say. I mean, like I did so many awesome races this year that had like really cool vibes. Um, But I think the thing that really makes Schwammegin and Iceman unique is that the amateurs race in the morning Mm. and then we race in the afternoon. And that just like makes such a big difference for like the crowds and like the finish line atmosphere. Um, Cause everyone sticks around and it like actually makes it feel like a legitimate professional sport instead of like finishing another race where like you finish top 10, but like no one's there because everyone else is still racing. It's like, you know, you got like five people cheering for you, but like, and that sucks, you know, like, yeah. um, like it's so much better when they separate the races and they put us in the afternoon. And, and I think that's from our perspective, but for sure, from the amateur perspective too, like they love that.
2: So I, I've made this suggestion before of like, for example, for Leadville and for Unbound and some of these longer races of having the amateur race on Saturday and the pro race on Sunday. Do you think the amateurs would actually stick around for the pro race on Sunday? I mean, obviously not all of them would, but do you think a lot of them would in order you know, to like, I mean, create it's, that kind it's, of
0: crowd? it's hard to say, but like maybe a race like unbound, you'd get people who like want to drive out to like the craziest section. Cause they wrote it the day before and they're like, Oh man, that like little Egypt section is going to be so crazy. Cause like everyone crashed there in the amateur race. So they yeah. like get all their homies to go out there and like ride or like watch everyone ride through those sections. Like maybe they would. Um, and that'd be kind of cool if they did. Um, I know for like the Epic rides races, whenever we would race the day after you'd get like quite a few spectators out there. Um, lining the course and at certain technical sections. And then like for sure at the finish line, um, like way more than the year that they did the Epic rides where like, it was like mass start. And like, then there was like no one at the finish and like that just, that's kind of lame. I don't know. just doesn't feel like a legitimate sport anymore.
2: Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So what was your favorite course of the races you did this season? This one's probably really applicable to you, Tyler.
1: Um, honestly, uh, it was a new course on the circuit this year. The first World Cup in Brazil. Mm. Um, it was badass. Uh, they actually had a like a UCI one the week before, and that course was supposed to be the World Cup course. Um, and it had some like gnarly drops and gaps and like um, like super steep like features that you have to full commit to um, on these like little XC... Bikes we ride now, um, and they actually ended up like dumbing it down a little bit for the World Cup the week after. But that C one course was gnarly and like super sick. It was in the jungle. Um, yeah, they just did a really good job on it and like really hit on like every aspect of modern XC. I mm-hmm.
0: think cool. <clears throat> and it was the the C one course that was like a man made course too. Yeah, I mean it, it was like man made features, but
1: like very natural feeling. Like you were riding like real dirt through the jungle. It wasn't like cool
0: propped up gravel or anything. Not like an Olympic Olympic course. Yeah. Which is unique. Like a lot of times the man-made features like don't feel natural at all.
1: No, no, it was super cool. Um, yeah, I really wish they didn't dumb it down for the world cup.
0: (laughs) What about you Dylan? Favorite course. Um, I just say unbound and let's move on. (laughs) Unbound. (laughs) Um, I I actually really enjoyed
2: the BWR Michigan course just because it was so and Alexi would definitely disagree with me. Mm. I, I don't think he liked that course, but I, I just liked how it was so difficult to pick the right bike and there's such a wide variety of terrain from like deep sand to single track to road. Um I'd probably go with that one.
0: Sweet. Um I really liked big sugar. Mm. I I I really, really enjoy technical gravel riding. Yeah. Um, like I'm pretty good at it and it just makes it more fun and like, it wasn't super technical, but there were definitely like some sections where like, like I like when you can, when you can force a selection in a gravel or in a, in a technical section and like, that's how big sugar was. Like if, yeah. if you were, if you had the right riders around you, like you could have forced a selection on some of those descents. Um, yeah, so- we were doing that. All day until I got dropped from your group. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. You had to have the right riders around you. Unfortunately, yeah. you were not the right rider, <laughs> dude. If if Russell or Keegan
2: or anyone in the top five had had my bike, I I think they would have won by like ten minutes,
0: five minutes, possibly. But yeah, I I liked that course a lot. I thought it was awesome. Um, okay, which which race had the best after party?
2: It's a good question. I'm not much of a I'm not much of an after party kind of guy.
0: So I think what he's talking about here is like,
2: or just like the finish, finish line, line party finish line vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Not like literally in the club after the party. I mean, <laughs> <after the> party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cause I know that that happens at some of the races, but usually I'm too freaking tired and I just want to go to bed. Um, like, especially if the race starts so early in the morning, like I find myself falling asleep anyway. Um, well, that's kind of the similar to the first question, is it not?
0: Yeah, I think it is pretty similar. Like, I think the way that we kind of interpreted the best atmosphere sort of included that mm-hmm. after party vibe. So, um, I would, I don't know. I feel like the answers are probably pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, I'd like, say Iceman.
1: Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't stick around for the after party of Iceman, so I don't really know, but, um, like world couplers don't really party until the
2: end of the season. So the only after party that I like took part in was the one at big sugar, which was the official lifetime grand prix mm. after party at whatever like bar that was. Um, that was cool. Um, so I'd probably say big sugar. Um, there was, okay. just a, there was a lot of people there, not just lifetime grand prix people, but just a lot of people in general. Um, we met fans of the podcast there.
0: So yeah. 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 That was a cool yeah, that time. That was pretty sick. Um, okay, so the last question, then we'll wrap this thing up because Tyler's like training full bore, so we gotta get him to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta restate
2: off.
0: Okay. Also my laptop is like about to die, so Okay. Um which which race had the best awards? So you can interpret this as either financial awards or like the sickest trophy or something.
2: It's gotta be Iceman. Right? Yeah. For for the me the ice trophy? Yeah, you can't be. Yeah. And it's got good prize money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which 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 race has the biggest prize money in the U.S. right now? Do we know for like a? It's probably BWR California. I think Alexi won like I don't know five or ten grand for that race.
0: Well, I it'd 10, have to be ten thousand. Yeah,
2: I'd have to go back and look at what his check said. I know there was a um, lot of prize money at BWR California.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. I, I know there were there were a few that had a ten thousand dollar. For first, I want to say Schwamgen was 10, 10 grand for first, or maybe it was five. I think it was I only remember. five. Was it five? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna shout out to my homies up in North Dakota at the Nepomuk Gnarly who put up ten grand prize purse for a race that had like thirty people. What? Um, <laughs> which is pretty sick. So, so like prize purse to uh, participant ratio, like hands down biggest in the country that's so crazy what is the race it was just a hundred mile gravel race okay yeah yeah adam roberge won it i was second oh okay Mm -hmm. yeah um cool well we'll wrap it there thanks man thanks for coming on
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: look forward to hearing the uh team announcement for next year
1: yeah for sure maybe uh sometime in january okay yeah that makes sense yeah all right we'll see you guys yeah, see ya. See ya later.